wondrous blessings I see. My past with its sin, the searching and strife, forever gone. There's a bright new dawn, for in Christ I have found new life. My past with its sin, the searching. Well, let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 16. We're going to be taking a look at verse 18. Pride goeth before destruction, and an haughty spirit before a fall. Let's see, read that again. Pride goeth before destruction, and an haughty spirit before a fall. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this night. I thank you for the opportunity to be able to preach your word tonight. And it's just such an awesome privilege that you have given us uh, your word that can help guide our life so that we can be more and more like you each and every single day. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, put me aside in all my faults, but you would just uh, have your word shine uh, through me here tonight to these people. I pray that we'd all be able to get something out of this message here tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So first of all, let's give a definition for the word pride. I got a couple different definitions here. In uh, Strong's Concordance, it says, Arrogancy, excellency, majesty, pomp, and swelling. Webster's 1828 Dictionary says, Inordinate self-esteem, an unreasonable conceit of one's own superiority and talents, beauty, wealth, I don't have to worry about that one, accomplishment, rank, or elevation in office, which manifests itself in lofty airs, distance, reserve, and often in contempt of others. Another one is thinking of oneself more highly than he ought to think. And finally, this last one, which is probably my favorite one, is taking God's glory for yourself. The three things that I want to take a look at and uh, three points about pride that I want to take a look at here tonight is first of all, we're going to take a look at the presence of pride. Second of all, we're going to be taking a look at the problem with pride. And third and finally, we're going to be taking a look at the prescription for pride. So first of all, the presence of pride. If you want to fix something in your life, you first must admit that it's a part of your life, that it's in your life. And that's something that we see in every single one of our lives, at least in one part of our lives, sometime throughout our life. If we're being honest with ourselves, we're going to see some kind of pride stick its ugly head in our life and kind of control that one, even if it's just a small part of our life. And I know that's true because every year, I know we took those pictures down, but I know every year when those pictures go up, who's the first person that you look for? Yourself, Right? I know that's the first person who I look for. I always look for myself. And then usually often you're pretty humbled because it's an awful picture. you got your eyes closed. You're making some dumb face, something like that. And you're just like, oh, man, you get humbled right away. That's always the first person who we look for. At least I know. I don't know. I, maybe I'm more prideful than you guys are, but that's always the first person I look for. So first of all, we have to admit that we have pride in our lives. You know what? Pride just comes naturally for man. It's not something that's taught. I wasn't taught that in middle school. That would have been an automatic A. It would have been pretty cool, but I know it wasn't taught in middle school. It's not taught in college. You have it as soon as a day that you were born. Pride is just a part of your life. Uh, the biblical illustrator says this, pride is a corruption that seems almost originally engrafted in our nature. It exerts itself in our first years, and without continual endeavors to suppress it, influences our last. Other vices tyrannize over particular ages and triumph in particular countries. 
But pride is the native of every country. It infects every climate and corrupts every nation. It mingles with all our other vices and without the most constant and anxious care will mingle also with our virtues. So first of all, we're going to see that we have pride in our life. In some area of our life, pride is taking over. Second of all, we're to, let's take a look at where pride came from. Pride's been here ever since the beginning of the world, before the world even began. First of all, we see pride come in the life of Satan. Let's take a look at 1 John chapter, actually, let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Isaiah chapter 14 and verses 12 through 14. Yeah, here we see, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. See how many times Lucifer mentions I? I will be the most high. I will be like God. I will be usurping authority. You know what? He was the second highest in command of the entire universe. He was the archangel. He had so much power and authority. But you know what? He wanted more. He wasn't satisfied with where he was. He wanted more. He wanted more power. He wanted to be like the most high. That's why he mentions I, I, I so many times. That was a pride in his life. He didn't understand the position that God put him in. It was a great, it was a high position, but he wanted more. He let that pride just take over his life and take over everything about him to the point where God just had to cast him down from heaven. And that's where pride originally comes from. It comes from Satan. Not only does it come from Satan, but we also see Pride was a part of the life of the first man and woman. In Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, and verses 4 through 6, it says, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant for the eyes, and a tree to be its desire to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. You see, Satan came along and tempted them. You know what, this, this fruit's not going to bother you. I mean, he's just trying to keep this good thing from you. He's trying to keep you from knowing good and evil. He's trying to keep all this power and authority away from you. And out of their pride, out of their own sinful hearts, they took that fruit and they ate of it. And that's when sin entered into this world. See, pride isn't something new. Pride isn't something that just happened this year. It's been there ever since the beginning of man. And we must admit that pride is a part of some of our lives. Another way I see some easy steps so we can see pride in our life. I know that when I think of pride, some of the men that I think of that we see in the Bible would have to be the Pharisees and how prideful they were and how they thought of themselves more highly and they should have thought. They kind of took their place, uh, they kind of took their pride and put themselves in the place of God. See, first of all, I see that they're very judgmental of others. Let's take a, take a look at Matthew chapter 23, verses 22, or verse, Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 and 2. It says, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So what's interesting here, it says the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. 
You see this sit in Moses' seat section right here? That talks about their position. Uh, Moses, when he was in charge of the children of Israel, he would be the one that had the law. He'd be the one that had the scriptures. And it was his authority, it was his job to teach the scriptures and to teach the law unto the people of Israel. And so that's what he did. And the position of the Pharisees wasn't a bad position. It was a great position. It was one of great honor. It's one of great authority. But they kind of took that power, and in their own pride, to make themselves look better, they always tore other people down. They'd be super judgmental on other people. It wasn't supposed to be like that. The position that Moses was given was supposed to be that of great honor. But yet these Pharisees took that position and then kind of took it for their own selves and kind of used it for their own pride to feed their own lusts. Not only that, but they're also really hypocritical. And verses 3 through 4, it says, All therefore, whatsoever they bid you, observe. This is Jesus speaking. Observe that and do. But do not after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them in one of their fing- with one of their fingers. You see, these men were really judgmental in the wrong kind of way. There is a way of being judgmental in the right way. You know, in the Bible when it talks about, you know, you can't judge a person and have a beam in your own eye and they only have a speck in their eye. You've got to observe, observe yourself. You know, judge, judgment and, and being judgmental of people isn't necessarily wrong if it's done in the right way. I know that sometimes... I know, I got, I got, you know, my parents told me a lot of things that I need to do right, and it wasn't anything wrong with that. But, you know, it was helped me to learn. And that was not what the, the, the Pharisees were doing. They were very hypocritical. They would say one thing, but they wouldn't do the other. And also, they focused on the external instead of the internal. Let's take a look at verses 5 through 7, Matthew chapter 23 and verses 5 through 7. It says, But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries, and enlarge the borders of their garments, and love the uppermost rooms at feasts, and the chief seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the markets, and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. See, like these men would take that position, and they would use it for their own pride. They would have a little thing called the phylactery. That was kind of a, a little uh, chest or something that would have the scriptures inside it. And that was because back in the Bible times, they weren't able to have, scripture wasn't readily available for everyone. And that's kind of what they would have to be able to teach to other people. But they kind of wore as, you know, this proud badge. I think of some people that wear, you know, a cross, a big old cross on their shoulder just to be like, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm this, I'm that, I'm a good person. That's what they kind of wore that badge on. It also talks about their robes. They were to wear their robes out, not as a humble position, but they wore it out to kind of be proud and boastful and kind of put themselves in a position that they shouldn't have been in as far as in that pride and think of themselves higher than they ought to think. See, so first of all, we have to see that we have pride in our life. And if we're honest to ourselves, we all would say that, you know, every once in a while we kind of puff ourselves up a little bit too much. So first of all, I see the presence of pride in our life. Second of all, let's take a look at the problem with pride, okay? We're being honest with ourselves. Pride is a part of our lives, but so what? I mean, everybody has pride. It's kind of one of those sins that we call kind of, you know, those white sins, those white lies and stuff like that. We kind of don't think of it as a very big deal. 
Well, let's see what the Bible says about it. You know what? A man can't have a right relationship with God if he has pride in his life. It's not going to happen. Pride hinders our relationship with God. James 4, 6 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19 also says, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. That's the first thing that he talks about. He talks about a proud look. These six things that the Lord hate. First thing was a proud look. And he likens that unto shedding of innocent blood. That's on the same level. I think that's absolutely crazy. The first thing that he says is a proud look. Because you know what? I think almost every sin, when, it, when we boil it all down to it, mostly every single sin comes down to our own pride and our own selfishness. That's the first thing that he mentions. It's absolutely crazy to, to think of that how pride was the first thing that he mentioned and likens it unto being a liar, being a, a murderer of innocent blood. Pride also distances us from God. Psalms chapter 138 and verse 6 says, Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. That's, that's also crazy too. When I think of it, I'm sure all of us have, at least one point in our life, kind of felt distant from God. I know I have. Uh, even in college, you know, going to a Christian college, I've had the privilege to go to a Christian college all, all five years, and yet sometimes I would feel so distant from God. And many of times it was coming around to, the times when I got a lot of projects and stuff due, I have big papers due, or something going on, and I would just, I'd be working my hardest, man. I'd be on those papers. I've been doing as much as I could, staying up late, waking up early, working on those papers as much as I could, and just trying and trying and trying. And yet, I thought I could do it in my own strength. You know what? I, I got this. I can do this. This is nothing. Man, I've done harder things in this, uh, this in the past. I can do this. It's going to be easy. And I kind of relied on my own strength. I was kind of proud, saying I could do it on my own. I don't need you, God. And yet that was also the time that I felt the most distant from God. I wonder how many of us in our, in our working life even, you know, we're working hard, which is great. There's nothing wrong with working hard. The Bible taught, it's tons of verses in the Bible that taught about working hard and doing your best. And yes, do your best. But I know many times I would just have so much stress and anxiety and I would just feel so far from God and just feel all empty inside when I just tried my hardest yet didn't leave the rest up to God. I feel like that was pride in my life and it was showing through in my relationship with him. Not only does pride hurt our relationship with God, but it also hurts our relationships with man. You see, pride most often leaves us to tearing others down. I think the easiest way to make yourself look better is to just tear other people down. I mean, I know I do that with my brothers and sisters all the time, man. I would say stuff about them be like, oh yeah, Mom, you know, she was doing this or he was doing that. And then, you know, try to tear him down. Oh, you can't do it. And then, oh, especially in sports, man. With Timothy and I, I would, I would probably tear him down a little bit too much. I was probably a little bit too hard on him every once in a while. But you know what? That was the easiest way to make myself look better is just tear other people down. No, that's wrong. 
you know what? We're all on a level playing field. And also another thing that I think of is kind of the uh, me being a millennial. We got a lot of we got a lot of flack. We got a lot of a lot of a lot of hurt from all of the older generation, all the baby boomers. You know, oh, all these millennials. They don't work hard. They're just a whole bunch of lazy bums living in their mother's basement. You're playing video games all the time. When I was a kid, man, we got married at 16. I was, you know, had those railroad spikes knocking them down. We walked up hills both ways, up the, up the hill to school, in the snow, you know, negative degrees. And all you guys have your nice little fancy cars and all this other stuff. See, like, everybody's just tearing other people down. And I, we, we do that to you guys, too, I'll be honest. But, you know, we, that's all pride taking over our lives. And it's easy. It's so easy to just tear other people down. And yet that's not how we should be. That's, that's just, just pride coming through in our life. Pride also brings contention. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 10 says, Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. The word contention here means a quarrel, debate, or strife. I've been in college for a long time, and if you get even two, two three, four guys in a room that's super small, you're going to have some, you know, pride issues, hitting back and forth. You're going to be arguing. You're going to be fighting an awful lot. And that was just pride in our lives. I know it was my junior year, man. I had this one roommate, and, man, we would just be arguing and fighting all the time, you know. But that was just pride in our lives, just clashing against each other. We, we just let that pride just take over us in our conversations, in our words, and just in our lives, really. We kind of just had to let it go. So whenever there's pride in our life, it ruins our relationships, whether that we be with a spouse, whether that be with a, a relative, whether that be with friends or a co-worker. Pride will just tear down any relationship that we have. Now, if our relationships are crumbling down, we just need to get down to the root of our problem. Most likely, that root of that problem is pride. So first of all, we have to see there's pride in our life. Second of all, we see the problem of pride in our life and the hurt that it can cause. But third and finally, let's take a look at the prescription of pride. First of all, we need to humble ourselves. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. So we don't need to be going around lifting ourselves up, saying, look at all these great accomplishments that I've done. Look at all these degrees that I have. Look at all these things that I've done. And that's just pride coming through once again. And we need to humble ourselves. We don't need to lift ourselves up. Just be humble, and God will lift you up. In the end, that's all that matters. Let Christ lift you up and not yourself. So don't look at yourself as higher than someone else, whether you're a CEO or owner of a business or, you know, you have some authority at work. Don't just look at yourself as somebody that's bigger and better and, than the next person. No, we're, when we all come down to it, we're just a whole bunch of sinners saved by grace. That's all we are. We all boil it down to it. So don't look at yourself as higher than anybody else. Also, we need to ask God to keep us humble. Like I said, pride comes naturally. It's not something that we can tame in our own power. If you think you can, that's just pride coming through once again. You can't tame it in your own power, so you have to ask God to keep you humble. And the one who teaches us ultimate humility is Jesus Christ himself. Let's take a look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. It said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, 
and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So Jesus Christ, Lord of the universe, came down not to, not to be a, a king, not to be one that everybody worships, not to be ever, somebody that everybody adores, but he came down to be a servant. And, and he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He's the richest that there ever was. He's the most powerful that there ever was. But yet he came down as a servant and to ultimately face ultimate humiliation on his death on that cross for us, for you, and for me. See, we need to take the example of Christ to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, not to take what Christ is due, not to take that pride, not to, not to let that pride run our lives. But we need to see Jesus Christ's example and follow that example that Christ has set for us. You see, we don't have a choice whether or not we're going to humble our... we got a choice. There's two ways that you're going to be humbled. Either you can humble yourself or God's going to humble you. When it comes down to the end, either you're going to have to humble yourself or God's going to have to humble you. A man that I think of when I see that is a man by the name of Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar, king, a king, he had a vision one, one day and he saw a big old mighty tree and all of a sudden that tree was withered and became nothing. And then he had a prophet, Daniel, come in and was talking about, you know, what was this dream all about? He said, the tree was you. And he was like, okay, yeah, it was great and mighty, but why is it, why did it fall? And he didn't think much about it. And a year later, all of a sudden, his life was going to change forever. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 30 through, through verse 33, it says, the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, he spake and said, is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou, knowest, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of man, and giveth to it to whomsoever he, whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and did eat grass as an oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers, and his nails like bird's claws. You see, Nebuchadnezzar let pride take over his life. He talked about his big old kingdom, and it was big, it was mighty, it was a great grand kingdom in that Babylon, that city of Babylon. But yet he let that pride just completely engulf his life. That's all he could think about was himself. He looked at it and says, look at this kingdom that I've built. Look at all these great things that I have done. He kind of took what God was doing. He kind of took that and took it for his own. Let that pride just engulf and take over his life. And then God said, enough is enough. And a man with great might, a man with great power, he was literally cast out of his own kingdom. And he became like an ox. He 
would eat the grass of the ground. It says that he would have uh, hair that was like the eagle's feathers, probably like a mullet or something. I'm really ugly. That was probably the most humiliating thing. <laughs> and it also says he had like those claws, and he literally just became a wild man, a man with such great power and might, a man that was known throughout all the known world back then, and yet God had to humble him because he let that pride take over his life. So you know what? We have opportunity tonight to either humble ourselves or God's going to humble us in the long run. But you know, I don't know everybody here tonight, but the ultimate pride that you can have in your life is to say, you know what? I don't need Jesus Christ in my life. He's nothing to me. I don't need to know him as my own personal savior. But you know what? There's coming a day when either Jesus Christ will return or you're going to you're going to ultimately die one day. We never know when that day is going to be. Even me, 23 years old, has been out of college for a year now, a couple of years, and I've already known a couple of people, a couple of my friends, men that were in my prayer group that have already passed away, already died. They've already gone to heaven. I think of one man, uh, he's 22 years old, a guy that was in my, my prayer group. I got a message one day told me that, you know what, he's, he's gone. Car accident. He's killed instantly. You know, life is short. We never know when it's going to end. It could be at any moment. I don't know. I may walk out of here tonight and get in a car accident. might be gone forever. You know what? That's ultimately what life is. There's going to be a time when we're ultimately all going to die. And the worst kind of pride in your life could say, you know what, I don't need Jesus Christ in my life. You do. Don't let your life pass without knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Don't let your own pride get in the way of knowing him and being with him for all eternity. So here tonight, we took a look at the presence of pride. We need to all understand that there's pride either in our life in the past, in the present, there might be some in the future. We need to take that pride and notice that it's in our life. That's the first step we want to get help. Second of all, we see the problems that, that pride is going to cause in our lives. And we need to attack it. And third and finally, we see the prescription of pride and how we can take that pride and fix it. Not on our own strength, but on the strength of the Lord. And ultimately, we're either going to have to humble ourselves or God's going to humble us in the end. Let's pray. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.